we identified that there are seven out of the 10 ASEAN nations that maintain uh, blasphemy laws. So the majority of the ASEAN nations do have some sort of blasphemy laws on the books. Hello, and welcome to the USERF Spotlight Podcast, a podcast series by the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each episode, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. I'm Elizabeth Cassidy, Director of Research and Policy at USERF. Today, we're going to discuss blasphemy laws in Southeast Asia following the release of USERF's new issue update on the subject. USERF has widely reported on religious freedom concerns in this region, including the rise of blasphemy allegations and cases in Indonesia and Malaysia in particular over the last decade. In 2020, USERF released a report on the enforcement of blasphemy laws around the world, including in Southeast Asia. Across the globe, many people view blasphemy, defined as the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God, as deeply offensive to their belief in a deity or deities. Based on this view, a number of nations continue to maintain and enforce laws against blasphemy. These laws penalize expression or acts deemed blasphemous, defamatory of religion, or contemptuous of religion or religious symbols, figures, or feelings. They include punishments ranging from public censure and fines to imprisonment and even the death penalty. We have seen in our monitoring of religious freedom worldwide how blasphemy laws in both theory and practice harm individuals and societies, including in Southeast Asia. Laws against blasphemy are detrimental to religious freedom, which guarantees to all people the right to embrace the full range of thoughts and beliefs, including those that others might deem blasphemous, and the freedom of of expression to speak or write about them publicly. People also have a right to speak out against what they consider blasphemy, as long as they do not incite others to violence. These rights are guaranteed in international documents to which most countries in Southeast Asia have agreed, including the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. We have with us today to discuss these issues, USERF policy analyst Patrick Greenwald, who was the primary author of this new report. Patrick, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. So let's start with your key findings in this report. What countries are included in the report, and what can you tell our listeners about the backgrounds of their respective blasphemy laws? Yeah, so including this report, we identified that there are seven out of the 10 ASEAN nations that maintain uh, blasphemy laws. These are Brunei, Burma, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, and Thailand. So the majority of the ASEAN nations do have some sort of blasphemy laws on the books. However, when we look at where blasphemy is an ongoing and systematic issue, as this report indicates, it really is a major factor first in Indonesia and Malaysia, and to a lesser extent, Burma and Thailand. Of course, there is also Brunei, but as we at USERF have reported in the past, while there is no religious freedom in Brunei, where a strict Sharia code has been implemented, we have not seen actual enforcement there. So Brunei is sort of a special case. All of the countries included in this report, with the exception of Thailand, 
were once colonized by European powers who left behind a legacy of blasphemy laws. Since the establishment of independence of these states following World War II, they have taken great strides to undo the harsher legacies of outdated colonial legal systems, but many still have colonial laws in place. Blasphemy is one of those glaring spots where colonial era laws are still maintained. That's where Singapore and Philippines fall in the list. Both have almost no cases of enforced blasphemy, but maintain laws that they inherited from former colonizers, the United Kingdom in Singapore and Spain in the Philippines. These laws should be repealed and they could be with very little, if at any at all, effect on their legal system. That's something the US could point out in its engagement with these countries. Other places that have inherited colonial laws, such as Malaysia and Indonesia, which initially inherited blasphemy laws from the British and Dutch, respectively, have expanded on the criminalization of blasphemy since independence. Burma falls in between these two groups, where they inherited blasphemy laws from the British and have acted on them, but have not expanded them to the extent that we see in Indonesia and Malaysia, nor are they the cases. It's unfortunate, it's unfortunate to note that with the exception of Brunei, Blasphemy is a persistent issue in the more democratic countries of the archipelago. That, that kind of transitions into Thailand. Thailand is singular on the list, as I mentioned, for not having been colonized, but in terms of groupings could be placed for many reasons on par with Burma. Having years of control by a military junta after its democracy was overthrown in a 2014 military coup, it is increasingly authoritarian, and we can see a trend in both Burma and Thailand of the ruling juntas align themselves with more fundamentalist Buddhist segments of society, which are urging for the enforcement of blasphemy laws. That is really interesting, thank you. So if a majority of countries find the origins of their blasphemy laws in their colonial past, then is, is the issue really just one of moving on from the past and making their own laws? Not necessarily. Since independence, countries have made many laws, some of which have been blasphemy laws and some of which have expanded the capacity to prosecute blasphemy allegations. First again, I'll mention Brunei, which did not have a strict religious-based legal code at independence from the United Kingdom, but in the last decade has implemented, at the behest of its monarch, one of the strictest Sharia-based codes in the world. If ever fully enforced, people could face capital punishment for blasphemy. Next, we have to look at Indonesia, which has been in a three-year process to replace its Dutch-era criminal code with one that would expand blasphemy laws, among many, many other human rights abuses. Indonesia and Malaysia also maintain laws that do not necessarily meet the definition of blasphemy laws, but are used in a manner to support blasphemy allegations. For Indonesia, this is primarily law number 11, slash uh, 2008 on electronic information and transaction, also known as the ETA law. This law regulates Indonesia's use of technology and Article 28, Section 2 has been cited on blasphemy cases to prosecute people's social media usage. In Malaysia, Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act of 1998 performs a similar function. Section 233 has been cited to target those who have been perceived to insult the Prophet Muhammad. This also, there's also next the case of Thailand. There's increasing scholarship into the lese-majeste laws of the country, which are among the strictest in the world. There is some research to suggest that these lese-majeste laws are applied in a manner that could be similar to blasphemy laws, 
for they are rooted in the so-described sacredness of the Thai monarch and therefore insulate this sacred institution from insult. Could you expand a bit on that last point and an earlier point you mentioned connecting Thailand and Burma as it relates to blasphemy? Yes. So the user, as USERP has reported, on February 1st, 2021, the Burmese military took over the institutions of the state, overthrowing their quasi-experiment with democracy and installing General Min Ong Line as prime minister of a newly minted authoritarian regime. Just as the Thai military have done since their takeover in 2014, the military junta in Burma has attempted to legitimize itself by linking the regime with protection and sponsorship of Buddhism. If you look at these Thai say, majesty laws through the lens of blasphemy and note the increase, uh, increase in such cases that have occurred since 2014, you can see a sort of linkage of blasphemy as a means to silence political opposition. And as we note in this report, prosecution under blasphemy laws in Burma, even during the quasi-democratic period, was a reaction by more fundamentalist groups such as the Mabatha, which urged authorities to prosecute individuals suspected of blasphemy. Burma's military junta has aligned itself alongside these groups. We've already touched on quite a bit of material, but before we close, Patrick, what do you see as the most significant challenges for the U.S. government in working with Southeast Asian countries to repeal blasphemy laws? First and foremost, the U.S. can't do this alone. It has to work with its regional partners, including the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN, and its Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights, known as HR. This is still a nascent regional human rights institution. In 2012, ASEAN members adopted unanimously the ASEAN Human Rights Declaration, which, as we, we mentioned in our report, is not fully in line with international human rights standards. The U.S. should also engage with ICHER to have a constructive region-wide dialogue on further promoting religion, a freedom, a freedom of religion and belief, or belief. The U.S. should also work through multilateral fora like those at the United Nations and especially the UPR process. A challenge we have is pressing unilateral change, particularly as a country that doesn't use the language of the region. What I mean by this is Southeast Asian countries most often justify the need for blasphemy laws by invoking a desire for what they term harmony. And we can see that in Indonesia, for example, where most blasphemy allegations come from local actors escalating religious tensions. Governments need to be seen by the larger constituencies as protecting the respect and dignity of the faith of the majority, at least in theory. However, blasphemy laws as a rule fall short of creating this imagined harmony. They instead trample the rights of individuals and often minority religious communities. Greater harmony cannot come from imprisoning people based on what they say, at least if what they are saying is not incitement to violence. This is the message that the U.S. government needs to communicate in arguing for the repeal of blasphemy laws in Southeast Asia. And we'll have to leave it right here. I want to thank USERF policy analyst Patrick Greenwald for joining us today and sharing his insights and expertise about religious freedom concerns, especially blasphemy laws and U.S. policy in South Asia. You can find further detail about much of what we discussed in this episode in the new issue update on Southeast Asia titled Blasphemy and Related Laws in ASEAN Member Countries, which is posted at our website at www.uscirf.gov. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on USURF Spotlight. To 
learn more about USURF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at USCIRF. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USURF Spotlight.